Amen. We will worship you forever. There is no other like you. We serve you. We love you. We exalt you forever. Amen and amen. I'd like to share some thoughts this morning on what difference are we making. And if you were here this past Wednesday, it might sound like a continuation of our Bible study and time together with Pastor Tom. He was talking about being salt of the earth and being light of the world. And of course, we have a responsibility. That's not just a suggestion, not just a recommendation, but we have a responsibility to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. And we were talking about, and Pastor Tom asked us the question, and what difference are we making? And obviously, we ought to make a difference in people's lives. And I was thinking and uh, asked Pastor Tom to send me a picture, and I know that normally we bury our cell phones and we like to have them muted and turned off and all that, but if you want to get your cell phones out and you want to take a picture of this and you send it to in a text message to as many people as you can, and that is a personal invitation. Don't even have to call them or anything. Just take a picture and send a text message. And if you're too embarrassed and it's already at the bottom of the bucket and you don't want to mess with it right now, back on the information table is a, the very same slide and you can take a picture of it back there. And so I trust that that will be a meaningful experience for you as we invite, as we grow under the leadership and authorship of the Holy Spirit. I thought I would share with you something that happened to me this week. Thursday, Leanne and I were at Cedar Point, and uh, during one of our times of refreshment, an individual by the name of Bruce came up and started talking with us, and he said, are you having a wonderful experience here at Cedar Point, an awesome time, and all of that, and wished us the best, and I thought, wow, Cedar Point going to public relations here, this is awesome, never have I ever had this happen at Cedar Point before. And he was telling me that he was a retired engineer. And uh, I, I said, well, why are you working here? Oh, he said, I love working at Cedar Point. They love hiring retirees. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, we show up on time and we work. <laughs> I thought that was... Uh... But he said he needed to do something, and Cedar Point just offered that uh, void in his life. And... Uh, he, he was talking to me about he had, had George Patton, you remember World War II, had a sailboat made, and it was there on display at Cedar Point uh, area, there in the water, and he got to, he got to sail it. And we were talking, and he was, he was so proud of this he, uh, 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 trash receptacle right here behind us. And I turned, he said, it's got a solar panel on it. It's a trash compactor. And uh, I thought, What? He said, yeah, it compacts the trash, and when it does that, it saves us a lot of time and, and a lot of bags and all that, and he was going on and on and on. I said, can I ask you a personal question? He said, sure. I said, what church do you go to? There was a pause. Now, when there's a pause, you know the answer, don't you? You know the answer. And he went on, and he says, well, I believe in God. I said, well, the Bible says the demons believe and shudder and tremble as well. And he said, well, the Bible's been copied so many times. And, I, and he said, it's got errors in it. I said, really? I said, with all due respect, can you name one? Well, 
he thought. He said, no. I said, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran have proved the accuracy of the Bible time and time again, and there is no doctrinal theological difference in what was written in Jesus' time and recorded and what we have in our Bibles. And I told him, I said, I'd, I'd like to challenge you to get your Bible, read it, because it is the living Word of God, and it will speak to you. And we went on and had conversation, and I said, can I ask you another question? He said, sure. I said, do you mind if I have Leanne, my wife, take a picture of us, and I want to put it up on the big screen this Sunday, and uh, uh, I'm bringing a message. Would you mind if we did that? He said, no. So this is Bruce, and at the end of our conversation, he said these words to me. He said, I'm going to think about what you said. And I said, well, let me share. I hope it's sooner than later because all of us are going to have a final heartbeat and we never know when that's going to be and when we're ushered into eternity. And so I told him I was going to put it on a big screen and we'd pray. So would you, would you pray with me right now? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And I pray for Bruce. And Lord, not only Bruce, but I know that there may be even people here in the sanctuary at this very moment who aren't quite certain, haven't made that decision to accept you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And if they're not here in the sanctuary, I think all of us know somebody who needs prayer and ask them to get into the Word, and Lord, through your Word, that you would speak to their hearts, minds, and spirits. And for these things, we're thankful, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Well, this is a weekend is Labor Day, and it's a, a, a weekend we've set aside to honor and recognize people who work and uh, labor throughout the year. I have found it to be, over the years, kind of a, a strange holiday, wouldn't you agree? For instance, nobody has wished me a happy Labor Day. Nobody. I haven't gotten any cards this week, Labor Day cards. We didn't decorate the house. We didn't give any Labor Day gifts, and the florists and uh, card companies haven't found really a way to capitalize on this holiday, but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think most of you probably have tomorrow off, but of course there are law enforcement, EMS personnel, doctors, and others that meet our emergencies and needs who are on call, and we, we, we thank God for them. And for preachers, it's an opportunity to talk about work. And work is a very important part uh, of the Bible, and we're always talking about work. God expects us to work. Proverbs says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so the Bible is chucked full of things like that. Hey, have you ever heard about this, idle hands or the devil's hands? Have you ever heard that? I'm sure you have. When I was growing up and got into trouble, I know that's hard to believe, but it did happen. But uh, probably like most of you, it was when I had some free time. And I never seemed to get in trouble when I was helping Dad milk 55 head of dairy cows or when I was 60 feet in the air throwing down 300 forks of silage for the cows or when I was cleaning out calf stalls, harvesting and planting crops and all the other things that go along with the hard work on a farm. Dad knew this, and so he tried to always keep me busy. I'm sure you've heard of some things like this. The harder I work, the further I get behind. I have so much work to do that I will not get it done in this lifetime. God must want me to live forever. 
I like work. It fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours, <laughs> even days. Since work is the greatest thing in the world, I think we ought to save some of it for tomorrow. What do you think? And as we think about work, I think there are some initials that on Fridays, people seem, at least when I was teaching, uh, seem like they're always saying TGIF. And you know what those stand for, don't you? Thank God it's Friday as they have worked so hard for the week and they want to look forward to the weekend of maybe some R&R &R or whatever. Maybe some of you in here in the congregation like to fish. And you might say, thank God I fish. And maybe some of you here have put some clothes away and you've gotten them out later and, and you say, thank God it fits. <laughs> I like to fly planes. And so I say, thank God I fly. And I said, Leanne, can you think of one? Can you think of something that I might be able to include? And after a minute, she says, yeah. Uh, let's see, what did she say? <laughs> this grandma is fabulous. <laughs> but more importantly, let's talk about theological as we talk about TGIF and uh, uh, more impact of our lives. And I think that all of us know this one, trusting God in faith. Pastor Tom has talked about faith many, many times, and without faith it is impossible to please him. But even as we think about that one, how about this one? Thank God I'm forgiven by his grace, his love, his mercy, and uh, poured out on Christ Jesus, and thank God for the cross. But thank God I'm forgiven. One that I resonate with and uh, have is today, and of course we got to add the words every day, but today God is first. And I have uh, a little piece of acetate here. You can't see it from where you're sitting, but I've got some of these back on the information table. It says today God is first, and at the very top of it here, uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And at the very bottom, it says, what am I doing to put God first in every area of my life? And if you take one of these pieces of acetate, just dampen the back of it and put it on glass or whatever. If you come to my house right now, I have one of these on all of my mirrors. And not in the top left, bottom, and side, smack dab in the middle so that every time I get up in the morning, every time I look in the mirror, it's a reminder. It's a reminder to me. Today, God is first. As we transition and focus the remainder of our time, I'd like to share about a worker, a laborer for the kingdom. Now, the Bible is full of these individuals, admittedly, but I would like to concentrate on the Apostle Paul. I think all of you would agree that uh, he was one of the uh, God's faithful servants. And if you would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17, we will take a look at verses 1 to 4. And uh, I know you've just gotten comfortable, but as is our custom, if you are physically able, would you stand for the reading of God's holy word? When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue 
and on three days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Thank you. You may be seated. May the Lord add the blessing to the hearing and reading of his word, but more importantly than the remembering and reading is that we absorb it, internalize it, and share it with other people. I'd like to begin this morning by asking two questions. Question number one, who are some individuals in your life who have made a significant difference and impact in your life? When I was in first grade, I remember a teacher who taught me the magic words of please and thank you. And then there was another teacher in high school that helped shape my career in teaching. And uh, when I was in college, all the professors that I had, there was one professor who helped me during when my brother was killed in Vietnam that just helped me with such, such compassion and mercy. I never believed that was possible from a secular college professor. But he did. And probably the two most important people in my life that have uh, been an impact were my mom and dad. But of course, the person who makes my life complete in Christ today and has big impact is my wife, Leanne. And I'm sure that you have some of those things uh, as well. And uh, as we think about these things, I, I know that you can think of many people that have made an impact in your life, and the question is this. Have you told them how much you've appreciated their presence, how much you've enjoyed uh, all that they do and what they've meant? And regrettably on my part, too many times I have, uh, well, I'll do it someday. And someday never came, and they're not around anymore. So I would encourage you. But you know, the question we ask, who are some people who have made a significant difference in your life, brings us to the second question in the title of my message. In whose lives are you making a difference? And as we think about the Apostle Paul, this is his second missionary journey. And I'm not going to cover all the things that uh, he did, but here's Jerusalem down here in the bottom right. Here is Asia. And as you recall, in that area, the Lord told him no, not to go there and preach. And it was on his second missionary journey over here near Treos that he felt the vision. He had a vision one night from Macedonia. From Macedonia was calling and asking for his help. Now here's Macedonia over in this area. So what we have, and I'm going to enlarge this uh, a portion of it, we have Philippi. And you remember where Philippi is. And in chapter 16, it talks about uh, Paul being in Philippi, ruckus there, thrown into prison, earthquake opens, and they depart, but they were beaten. Now, I'm not going to plow that ground this morning, but take a look at chapter 16. It's a great background here for this. And as we think about things, our, our text says, and they then pass through Amphipolis, and then they go to Apollonia, and then they go to Thessalonica, about 100 miles. Now, I don't know about you, but can you picture walking 100 miles? I try to walk two to three miles a day, and I'm saying, man, I just can't, uh, I don't know how I could go any further. And here he's walking every place, 100 miles. Don't know how long it took, doesn't make any difference. Got to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was second importance only to Corinth 
in terms of commerce and trade and all of that. Very, very important hub and city and a lot of activity. And just Paul and Silas make the trip. And the scripture says there was a Jewish synagogue. And let's pause for a moment for insight and reflection here. Jewish synagogue. When you go on vacation, when you go on business, when you're out of town, do you dial up on the internet for an American Baptist church? And uh, if there's none in the area, do you go downstairs or whatever and talk to the talk to the person at the front desk and ask them if there's a Bible-believing church. Now, depending upon the nationality of the person at the front desk, you might get a response of, what's a Bible? And don't discount the possibility. Talk about an opportunity for witnessing and sharing the love of God. But you know, when you're out of town and you might on vacation and you might say, give me a break. I'm in church every Sunday. Can't I miss one? Well, that's between you and the Lord, but I hope you resonate with the psalmist in 122.1 who adds the words, and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And Jesus was in a house of worship. The disciples were in a house of worship. The apostle Paul was in a house of worship. What does that say to us? What's the insight and principle for us? We ought to be in a house of worship, shouldn't we? Verse 2 we just read says, As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And the key word here in reasoning has to do with the word dialigamy, a Greek word which means to discuss thoroughly. It's where we get our English word dialogue. And then in Acts 3, explaining and providing that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead... This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And we have the Greek word paratithemos, which means to lay the evidence side by side. And Paul is probably talking to them about Old Testament prophecies and all of those individuals and explaining to them that Jesus is the Messiah. He came to suffer. He came to die. He came to be raised again. And uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. And I think you know how hard it is to try and talk to somebody about spiritual things. But what was their world view? They envisioned an individual, a king, a Messiah that was going to come in pomp and uh, uh, glory and circumstance and all that. Not a king that was going to suffer. They had remembered Moses leading them out of bondage from Pharaoh from 400 years General Joshua, who took them into the conquest of Canaan and the uh, land of Israel there. And our text says that the Apostle Paul reasoned, he explained, he proved and proclaimed. And I've got a question for you here. How does that apply to us today? Well, could he have done that without being knowledgeable, without being informed of what the Bible says in that term, the Old Testament and the Scriptures? And uh, so as we think about our application, we need to say these words. Peter tells us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And, of course, we remember what Paul told Timothy. Study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
So if you took a look at verse 4 of our pericope today, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. So what we have happening here is on three Sabbath, and then during the week, I'm going to guess, having a Bible study and talking to people who had more questions and wanted to know more, and making a difference in people's lives. And by the way, that's not really an option for a Bible-believing Christian, right? Amen. Because you remember what Jesus says. Jesus says, go and make disciples. You know, prior to arriving at Thessalonica, as we've already indicated, Paul in Philippi had been beaten. He'd been thrown into prison. And thank God, yet today, we don't have those consequences. We don't have fear of persecution for sharing our faith. But let's take a look, and if you've got your Bible still open, and we take a look at the Apostle Paul, same chapter, we've just read verses 1 to 4, Let's take a look and see what verses 5 to 9 have to say about this idea of suffering and persecution. But the Jews were jealous. Now, Paul and Silas have already gotten out of Dodge. They've left Thessalonica. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, started a riot in the city. Ah, where have we heard this riot in cities before? You know, in our own time. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And Pastor Tom covered in the Beatitudes, the very last Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted. And so we think about those things. Serious business, satanic activity and influence is here. And how should we respond as we think about satanic activity? Well, we remember Ephesians, where Paul said, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And Peter said these words, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, notice he didn't say pussycat, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, as we anticipate attacks from the devil, going to happen, not if, it's just when, and we need to prepare for these things. But I think that we need to remember that we're already on the side that has already won. And we have these words of confidence. Greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And, of course, all of you know by heart this one from James. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of times we look at that second sentence, but the most important part is the first part, the first sentence. Submit yourselves to God. Well, let's travel down the road about a year, year and a half, and let's see what impact the Apostle Paul and Silas made on 
Thessalonica. And uh, if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm going to share and put on the big screen here verses 6 to 10. And this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, and he tells them, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell. Let me find it right. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. A year and a half later, after they'd been with them, just for three weeks, what an impact, what a difference the Apostle Paul and Silas made in the lives of those people. And we remember the Apostle Paul, don't we? Before his conversion on the Damascus Road, what happened? He was putting in people in prison. He was uh, witnessing and affirming Stephen's death. And so he was doing all these bad things. But the principle here is, if God can take Apostle Paul and how we uh, think he was, just imagine what he can do with somebody like you and me. You and me. Well, the year's 2022, 2,000 years later. But is the mission any different for the Apostle Paul than it was for us? The city's not Thessalonica. It's Milford, it's Heartland, it's Brighton, it's Fenton. It's all around us. The mission is the same. And I think that we need to understand that God put us on planet Earth to make a difference for the cause of Christ and for the kingdom, and not just simply to take up time, space, and matter. Paul and Silas saw the results of their efforts and the, their prayers. I know that many of you, myself included, we've prayed. Sometimes the Lord answers the prayer instantaneous. Sometimes it's tomorrow. Sometimes it's in the near future. My mom prayed for over 20 years for me on a particular matter. And I know that some of us pray for things, and we may not see the results of our efforts on this side of the dirt. And so it may be, but God will answer. That's not an issue. I said I'd share two stories, one at the beginning and one at the end. I had just uh, gotten to uh, First Baptist Church in Monroe, and uh, the ladies came into my office and said, Pastor, the first Monday of each month, we have Ladies' Day out, and we always go to a restaurant uh, for lunch for, um, uh, for fun, food, and fellowship. I thought, okay, great. Uh, I said, I've got a lot of things to do. I'm really... Uh, uh, I, I came up with excuses, but I said, where are you going to go? I said, well, we're going to go to the Cracker Barrel. I said, okay. They hadn't any more gotten out of my office and probably just entering into the parking lot, and the Lord seemed to speak to me and said, why don't you go with the ladies and uh, have some camaraderie and develop some relationship? And I had so much to do, and I reluctantly said, all right, Lord, I'll go. And uh, on the way out to the door, I grabbed the doorknob, and the Lord seemed to say, well, take your camera. I said, what? Lord, take my camera. 
Cracker Barrel, the ladies, where this is not you, right? Take your camera. All right, Lord, I'll take my camera. So I took my camera, went to the Cracker Barrel, got out and started to walk in. The Lord said, where's your camera? And I said, well, Lord, if I need my camera, I'll come back out and get it. No, take it with you. So I took it with me, and the ladies were over in the corner, and they were all doing one of these numbers. What is that? And I looked over to where they're pointing, and there was Elvis Presley sitting in the middle of Cracker Barrel. And uh, I said to the ladies, who is that guy? We don't know. Would you like to meet him? Yeah. And so I said, okay. So I walked over, and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, my name's Galen Lowry. What's yours? He said, I'm Sherman Arnold. I said, Sherman, I've got some ladies over here that would like to meet you. Do you have a few minutes uh, from First Baptist Church? They said, sure. So we went over, and he spent over a half hour with us. I took my camera, <laughs> took a picture of each one of them with Sherman, made an 8 by 10 glossy for them, and gave it to the ladies. They were an Elvis fan, obviously. And a month later, I'd gotten his business card. I gave him a call, and I said, Sherman, do you, ever, do you have a church home? No, he didn't have a church home. I said, well, I'd like to invite you and sing How Great Thou Art in our congregation. Would you be able to do that? Oh, I'd love to do that. I said, you know, Elvis never won any Grammy Awards for his rock and roll music. It was for his religious renditions, and he won a couple of them for How Great Thou Art. So he came and sang How Great Thou Art. The following month, I asked him to sing, come and sing, uh, I don't know, another religious song. And it wasn't long till he started coming to church. And when he started coming to church, guess what? Others started coming. So we never know what difference we're going to make in the lives of people. And I tried to get him to come and sing How Great Thou Art today here for you. It's awesome. Wish it could have happened, but he's got something going on with his throat and uh, not able to sing for a couple of months here. But at any rate, as we, as we wrap things up today, question who is it that needs to make a difference in someone's life? Who is it? Each of us needs to make a difference in the hearts and lives of people. And remember what Jesus says as we think about Labor Day. How about this? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for each person here. And help each one of us to not make a difference just today, tomorrow, but the rest of our lives. Help us to make a difference for the kingdom. And may others be added to the kingdom because of our faithful witness and testimony. And for these things, we're thankful, and all of God's people said, Amen.